I was so angry when I read this. I just... Yakiman Chief Hops is a 100% grower-owned hop supplier with a mission to connect brewers worldwide with the family farms that grow their hops. YCH is proud to provide brewers in Australia and New Zealand with quality hop products and brewing solutions to elevate their beers. Learn more at yakimachief.com. Thought you were harming the entire alcohol industry. I'm Matt Kirkegaard, founder and editor of Australian Brews News, and as always, I'm joined by our senior journalist, Claire Burnett. Welcome, Claire. Hey, Matt. And our now regular columnist without a title, Sabrina Kunz. Welcome back, Sabrina. Hey, Matt. <laughs> Thanks for having me again. Sparking lots of comments again uh, last week for, for your contributions and you know, basically keeping me in line. So uh, thank you for, for, for coming back. Um, now, let's head to the news desk for all that you need to know in the news of the brewing industry for the week. And we're recording on the 17th of February, 2022. Mm-hmm. So we've had a really big week, actually, for news, as you probably have seen. The breaking news today uh, was that the IBA has a re- rearranged uh, Good Bear Week and BrewCon. So they made a difficult decision to postpone and rearrange um, both of the events. Uh, Good Bear Week, which was set to be held in May, has been cancelled, whilst BrewCon, the major brewing industry conference set to be held in Queensland this year, um, is being rescheduled for August 2023. Um the IBA have a video up uh, with Kylie Lethbridge, uh, the chief executive, and Richard Adams- Adamson, the chair, um, dis- just describing what, how they came to that or- like decision and you know it was a tricky one but it made sense uh due to all the uncertainty that is ongoing um but they have some more positive messages for this year um in relation to their big plans for the uh next 10-year roadmap um indies review they're looking at doing more local and state uh mashups and networking events uh so there's some really positive stuff on the uh iba front as well Another thing that popped up this in the past week is that the U.S. Treasury uh, released a report um, calling for a level playing field for brewers, which prompted a discussion about similar challenges in the Australian beer market. So we've talked about lots of the issues that were brought up uh, in this report on Brews News um, and in the wider Australian industry, uh, the duopoly in the market. um, And it was interesting that the U.S. Treasury's report suggested that the two major brewers that in the U.S. make up 65% of the market was too much, um, when we have about what, 80 to 90% um, owned by two breweries. So interesting that they noted that. Um, they are also talking about anti-competitive practices. They're talking about consolidation in the market. Uh, lots of issues that we also have uh, sort of been dealing with and grappling with over here. So it's a really good read. Get into that. Have a look. Um, and it could potentially be useful for our brewers over in uh, Australia. Just as a little example to the ACCC, um, about how this is being considered and how market concentration is being considered in in other countries as well. We've also got some more international news this week. Uh, so it's been a big big week for global news. Uh, people may have seen that Kieran, uh, the owner of Lion Australia and Lion New Zealand and Lion Little World World Beverages, uh, is set to exit their My Anmar venture. 
So they announced on Monday that they were urgently going to terminate the partnership uh, with a company in Myanmar that provides welfare fund management services for the military. So this has been a point of contention, especially following the acquisition of Stone and Wood last year, uh, when they were sort of considering themselves a conscious business. And this really stuck out as a sore thumb um, in Kieran's sort of uh, repertoire as as something that really wasn't... uh, in line with their values as a company and definitely not in line with Lion's values, uh, which has shown to be a really like inclusive and diverse company recently. They've really made a push to to do that. Um, and as we'll, well, I'll chat about it now. Uh, they've also uh, partnered, uh, Little Creatures, uh, Lion Brand, has partnered with the Sydney Mardi Gras. Uh, so that's the Sydney uh, gay and lesbian Mardi Gras. And as part of the deal, Little Creatures will be the official beer partner for the Mardi Gras for the next three years. And Sydney World Pride in 2023. Um, so good work going on at Lion as well. The, it continues. Uh, I'm sure you will have heard over the COVID period that FAIR, that's the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education, has been really quite um, vehement in their discussions of drinking and asserting that Australians are drinking a lot more uh, during the COVID period. Now, they've used some Australian Bureau of Statistics um, information and figures to sort of push that point home again this week. Uh, and as you might have, as might be expected, uh, Alcohol Beverages Australia has responded with the points that they have usually raised. Um, so obviously the FAIR report is looking at retail sales rather than on-premise sales. So they don't take into account anything that's offset by the premises closures. Uh, and also ABBA suggested that potentially not just the on-premise issue, but also that people are potentially buying alcohol that's more expensive. Um, So there's loads of different issues that the FAIR report just doesn't quite engage with. Um, So go and see what you think. We put them side by side so you can have a little look at both sides of the argument. Uh, We also had a fair bit of ASX news this week uh, or in the past week or so. So... Good Drinks, uh, owners of Gage Roads uh, and Matzos and a couple of other brands, uh, they've done some pretty good work uh, in their six months results that was posted to the ASX. Um, pretty strong results in terms of EBITDA of returning $6 million. Uh, sales were up on what Good Drinks called a strong comparative period last year and total revenues for the half year reached $32.7 million, up 15%. Um, one thing to note about the Good Drinks um, update was that uh, contract brewing had gone up considerably, so I think 54% increase in volumes of contract brewing and that was something that was um, highlighted very early on in their new strategy. I think they posted that about two or three years ago, they really wanted to talk about how um, they would be moving towards a focus on their own brands. Uh, and this is obviously a little backtrack, um, but we can't really blame them for that. It's been a tough time for everyone. And if contract brewing brings in the money, then it brings in the money. Um, another one, uh, brew. Uh, we occasionally talk about brew on the podcast, um, but they have been appearing on the ASX also in the past week, discussing how they'd seen unprecedented sales um, in their ALM deal. So uh, they told the ASX that they'd sold more than 50,000 cases of brew beer uh, and the company will continue uh, the expansion model for packaged beer as as they expand to other states and territories. Uh, Now, as you'd expect with brew, there was a few inconsistencies in their presentation and in their uh, results. Uh, So... (laughs) 
take that as you will. Uh, it's it was an interesting one to focus on. Um, they've also updated on the Ballarat property. Um, they're still holding on for the fact that they're going to sell it. Uh, Development Victoria has not given them permission to sell this yet, so that is still hanging over their heads effectively. Um, but we'll keep following Brew uh, and see how they go. Up next is another of your bingo card, and that is ABAC. So some of Australia's largest brews and brands faced complaints and had those complaints dismissed, um, covering a lot of different issues, but they also talked about um, Ash Barty, obviously, uh, who had a little cheeky beverage uh, after winning uh, the other week, and that was brought to ABAC's attention. Um, Hello Drinks was up there, Lion faced the panel over White Claw seltzers, but there's a huge host of issues that these ABAC um, rulings bring up. Uh, Banks Brewing also um, brought up... uh, was brought up against uh, ABAC in relation to their juice bar triple fruited ghosts. Uh, again, appealing to minors, it's something that we've seen a lot with um, craft beer packaging, but really interesting, raises a lot of issues that, as I say, that we've talked about before are appealing to minors, uh, placement rules and things like that. So go and have a gander and let us know how that one is. Last one on the list, uh, we've got some on-site brewing opportunities in Melbourne. So this is a sponsored post, I'll caveat that. Uh, We've got two new brewery opportunities open for expressions of interest with a property developer Banco Group. Uh, One of the opportunities is located at the office project in Abbotsford and the other at a yet to be announced development in Kew. So if you're a brewer, if you want to brew, if you're interested in potentially setting up in one of these developments, then um, get on. The link will be in the show notes and yeah, express your interest effectively. We actually had a really successful one. So when the Banco Group uh, advertised for their another site in Melbourne, been uh, last year year before uh bridge road brewers um had a little gander saw that thought it would be for them so uh don't know if i can totally plug us for that one but they noticed and we helped well done (laughs) and that's it for the news thank you very much claire big week in news so lots to discuss as we head below the fold Uh, abac anytime we mention abac (laughs) you know if you've found your labels up in front of abac you know who are you going to call who are you going to call it's not, it's, it's, it, it's not going to be Ghostbusters because unfortunately Ivan Reitman died this week. Who oh. was the director? Uh, you're looking at my blank stares. You know what I don't know about? I don't know about Ghostbusters, but you know what I do know about? What do you know about labels? Rowling's label stickers and packaging. Yay. Because they're Rally. not only able to supply labels for your cans <laughs> or bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons, can trays, tap decals, barcodes and shrink sleeves already applied to empty beer cans ready for filling. The guys often get asked where would a brewery buy a shrink sleeving machine because they sound very expensive, but you don't need one. To apply the sleeves to the cans because Rallings will do that. Um, the cans come to your door palletised and ready to fill, nothing more to do. So give Rallings a call on 1300 852 235 to discuss further. Now, going back to the news team, what are we thinking? What uh, grabbed our attention? Obviously, the IBA rearranges uh, Good Beer Week and BrewCon. Big news uh, that's dropped mm-hmm. just as It's lucky we record on Thursdays. All of the big announcements seem to Thursday happen. Morning. Well, it Thursday was lucky morning. you were able to assist... Um, the IBA in, in getting their video out there, Matt. So that was um, that was really great that you were yeah, able well, to be part of that. That's part of, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, 
one of the things, the IBA is a small uh, organisation. They take they, they've got a huge role. It's why everybody should be looking to to join them to make sure that they can continue to lobby and act uh, on behalf of the industry. But yeah, no, we just yeah. provided some production support. In, you gave we them some we've help. got a video editor on staff, and we're able to give them a bit of a hand a- around that. Um, but so it was a. I mean, people like probably like, oh, that's ages away. Why would you do it? I mentioned in the article, Brown Bovial, that was cancelled. Brown was cancelled a couple of weeks ago, and that's November. November. We started, when I was at the Brewers Guild, we cancelled our October conference in the April of 2020 Mm -hmm. um, because everything was so uncertain. And Mm. I just think that, you know, we're in an environment right now that doesn't look less uncertain. Maybe, Maybe, you know, borders in Australia look like they might, be able to open, but the distribution mm-hmm. challenges, people movement but challenges, the people apprehension. You, you need yeah. to order your beer now All if you're going to be stuff. doing events and mm-hmm. you need to be planning now and just the Why cost risk it? Why risk if you've it? gone ahead and done it and then mm-hmm. it gets cancelled the last and, minute. And, and being an asso- a small association um, and knowing, I mean, we made the same trade-off. You could spend the resources, the finite resources that you have on the things that you haven't often had the time to do because you've got these reoccurring massive projects mm-hmm. that you've been wanting to do for ages and Kylie talked about a bunch of those resources that they want to roll out and it just, I mean... Or I should just say that you can hear Kylie and Richard, um, you, you, if you haven't seen it already, in your podcast feed, we've put the audio of their announcement into our podcast feed just so our podcast listeners can uh, listen to it. Yeah, no, I mean, it just it makes... Complete sense, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. There's an opportunity cost. If if you're distracted running an event that may never go ahead, mm-hmm. um, and the opportunity cost of switching. I mean, yeah. running. Uh, uh, I know from running our awards, but I also know, you know, if you've got to replan four times, even if you build in some space for you to be able to do other things, and then all of a sudden another mm-hmm. rule changes and you've got to replan again. It, it. It's just and it just doesn't get got, done well. They've got so much on their plate that this so year. So much. I'm really glad to see that they, you know, and they always do. But they've been talking to their members. They're like, right, well, this is we've really listened to you, and this is what you want, and they're going to deliver that in a way that the IBA can mm, do properly um, and not have to potentially. Compromise. And, and compromise, yeah, at the last minute. We've got a federal election coming up and, I mean, you know, their members and the, and the smaller brewing industry is, say, represent us. That's one of your core things that we want from you is advocacy at a federal level. They've yep. invested significant money in this KPMG report and getting the data mm-hmm. and the um, a federal election mm-hmm. is looming and so that is going to take considerable resources to do that well. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, that, that could be a week, but BrewCon as well. So even though mm-hmm. that's further... Um, oh, I was sort of thinking yeah. about BrewCon oh, really. Oh, BrewCon, but again, it's... We're hearing um, when you when you speak to breweries, they're not really keen to send the same number of people because mm-hmm. if you do have an outbreak, you know, if if you yeah. do have, I remember last year at the um, AIBAs where we had that. Remember we had that brief window. Oh, I can't. I can't I before think about Delta that. hit, it was the Friday. It was the Saturday. It was so Friday night or Thursday night was the AIBAs, AIBAs and then those we cases. got out of state Friday and yep. Saturday it started locking down again. But you've got just about every brewery in Australia in the same room and oh, the jokes about you know that you could the take out the whole yeah. industry you yeah. could take out the whole industry so and, uh, if BrewCon uh, sorry we're, we're mixing multiple things so if Good Beer Week isn't going ahead is that the first time in its history that it hasn't the since 11 it was years in, yeah the 11 years since it was sort of been tiny conceptualized and it's moved through its pieces so 11 years it hasn't had Good Beer Week do you think that AIBAs are going to go ahead as 
on that um, same Thursday because that was sort of part of well, the, the ABI, whole. The AIBAs predate um, yeah. the Good Beer Week, and they've managed so to do the Indies virtually successfully. So why? And they've done the AIBA. There, there are so judging challenges because the yeah. AIBA has one of the most you know extensive panels of judges all going to Melbourne, and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a long. And they've got. Two thousand odd beers. Yeah, to, I just wonder whether it judge. might change the calendar. Was more. I mean, mm. I'm sure it will go ahead. I don't ahead. think so because Good Beer Week actually takes place because, because of, of the AIBAs. And of course, um, do you be- think Gabs will go ahead? We haven't seen anything from Gabs that are the well, other flagship. Well, they wouldn't have known yet. So, well, yeah. uh, and, and this so. is the fascinating politics about. So, the AIBAs always ran. Yep. Because the whole industry was in town when I was editing Beer and Brewer fifteen years ago. The then owner um, organised a one-day trade show to capitalise on everyone being in town and didn't go terribly well, so it fell over. But that created the Bintani saying, well, we, we've got something. And so I think there was a the great debate was the the first thing because everyone's in town. And then yeah. Good Beer Week sort of yeah, grew, grew out, out of that. that. Yeah. Um, but then Gabs was a standalone event that when they made it, bigger um so it, it was just at the tap house and yep. i think on their first or second you know times were different back then on their you know, first or second in, in at gab's at the tap house they had lines out the door and they had to go somewhere bigger and Stephen guy had just such visionaries that they went huge um and then of course to have it uh during good beer week but from memory there was a little bit of tension um between it because they were a standalone <laughs> event well it'll be interesting to see you know so like we've had this big announcement this makes changes for people's kind of calendars in their mind everybody who's usually got that week booked so on and so forth both for um good beer week which is the upcoming one in brucon but it'll be interesting to see whether announcements follow from those and other big events that take place during good beer week this story's just dropped this morning yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah. we haven't had a chance to phone mike and check mm-hmm. some of the other mike from gabs and check some of those other things out mm-hmm. but uh, yeah it'll be anyway, really look, interesting i'm sure those announcements will be coming today because i'm sure the, the iba yeah. would have been giving the heads up, having the conversations, doing yep. all of the things. And for all of the disappointment that people feel um, about it, congratulations to the IBA for making – well, I, I think it, it's a, like a really mature and responsible decision oh, to oh. do it so far out that is actually thinking about the industry's best interests and all of the participants. It gives everybody the ability to plan better differently and it gives them – more resources to put towards other activities for their members. And so I agree with you. I think it's a smart choice. Plan better differently. That could almost be a show title. Plan <laughs> better differently. <laughs> no, I, I knew what you meant. Um, okay, so that's uh, IBA Rangers, uh, Good Beer Week and BrewCon. Um, interesting one, this brewery con- consolidation in uh, the Spotlight US report. I find this stuff fascinating. America is a very different demographic. Mm-hmm. Their three-tier system, the mm-hmm. different, you know, on, on some ways they're much more liberal with alcohol than we are in some ways that they're not. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just interesting the way that things are, are differently reflected. So you can never fully compare different jurisdictions because particularly with alcohol they're so regulated but america which um you know has a couple of very big breweries but even so you've got and that was too much for them they're like this is too much this is too much too many play- and with almost nine thousand yeah. small breweries and i was like well welcome to welcome it's, to it's australia fascinating though i mean i don't know if any of you are um american politics like oh, followers, yeah. Po- so if I can stuff, ignore yeah. it, um, so I'm pretty addicted at the moment, and so this whole piece around um, 
large monopoly consolidation is mm-hmm. actually something that the Biden administration is their administration is really prominently addressing at the, or talking about mostly in the tech sector but actually yep. talking about how consolidation is impacting small businesses so mm-hmm. it is sort of um, part of the zeitgeist of sort of what's going on that conversation yep. so you know that's interesting the thing that is really different in our market that I think it gets lost and in, in, um, I know it's being looked at in New Zealand as well but there's there might be the duopoly on the brewing side that mm. you've pointed out but it's actually the duopoly in the retail side yes that is just so it, the US does not have that mm-hmm so that makes it they do in the distribution channels but not in the actual retail outlet type things yeah so they just don't have that same thing where across all states in the US you can go to two places to buy your yeah. booze yeah. and yeah. so I and just that is so weird to me coming from a country where you don't have that and you just go to a supermarket or there are small independent well, one thing I'll, the, the, the one thing I'll, I'll throw in because it is this is where local um, factors come into play because Australia is a huge um, you know geographic country with mm-hmm. very small centralized population oh, sorry with, with population a small number of population centers so that there are logistics and it, it like does Canada. seem yeah in a, in a small population base and on one hand efficiencies bring prices down for consumers and efficiencies come from scale and so I, 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 mm. I get that argument but on the same time, the competition law in Australia doesn't protect small, dynamic, um, you know, th- there seems to be a model in Australia across any industry. You've got one or two big players where the consolidation has come. You get a small, dynamic player who gets to a certain size. And then the, gets acquired. Well, the and, and I saw this uh, craft beer in the 80s, well, what was microbrewing in, in the 80s. The big brewers try and out-compete you first – and it's only when they can't that's when they acquire you. But so nothing ever grows to to the next level. Um, and it, it, it's complicated. It's it's not it's, as simple I mean, as making Zealand, out. But New Zealand is just looking at the supermarket duopoly there, and mm-hmm. and I know from a craft beer perspective, you know, if you can't get into the supermarket chains, um, and, and you can't, the other the flip side of it is if you can't provide enough product for the supermarket chains then you really are missing yeah. out on a huge volume and to be in every single one that's right nationally rather than just one or two well, which Lauren i know they made tried that point to. on ballistic didn't she yes. you know she mm-hmm. made that exact point that the growth that as soon as you get into one they want to be nationally ranged yeah. and you're like wow that that's huge mm-hmm. so i don't know like i think it's the landscape is really different um than the u.s in some ways but mm-hmm. those thresholds if anything continue to point to something isn't quite right mm-hmm. in our market and, and the only yeah. way it's going to change and is when you've regulatory. Got the policeman, which is the ACCC, because mm-hmm. uh, we all like to bash the ACCC for not getting involved in the market. Yeah. But they just haven't got the power. They're not the regulator, they are the policeman. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the police can't make up the laws mm-hmm. and say, we don't like that behaviour, we're going to arrest you for it. Mm-hmm. The politicians need to make the laws. And so we've seen, Claire did a story um, about the ACCC calling for more powers so they could actually, you know, intervene. Yeah. Well, it'll um, be interesting to see whether, I mean, whether this, if anything, is part of the next election platform because, um, oh, you No know, one wins the votes on... 
I don't know, but it's, it's, it's unless it's you link same... it to the con- and unless you link it to the consumer thing, because that's right. the whole impact that that's what Except they it care tends about. to bring prices to see, and, and, and and this is one this of the things because the Australian though. competition and consumer organi- they mm. only look at prices and. The huge consolidation, and particularly when you start looking at the vertical integration mm-hmm. and things like that, it does bring prices down by and large for consumers it, um, because they're screwed down. It, if I was to make the so, if I was to go to sort of the conversation that's happening in the US that mm-hmm. you know I talked about before, they're talking about large consolidation around um, duopoly or single players. Yeah takes the power away, switching power away from consumers, mm-hmm. which actually ultimately limits consumer choice, yep. which then, um, you know, when you play that through, starts to mean that, you know, consumers have no power in the market. They're, they just have to pay whatever happens. And that is happening right now in large organisations who, notwithstanding inflationary pressures, are continuing to um, pass those costs directly onto consumers um, whilst paying executives shitloads of bonuses for making profits. <laughs> so they're making record profits in a mar- market mm-hmm. where consumers are paying more. Mm-hmm. So if you connected all of that together yep. and you think about what's going to unfold in this next federal election and some of the conversations that are happening, you could see this getting wrapped up into yep. that part. And, and yeah. as um, Claire wrote about in, I think it was a story we did, it was a competition story where we referred to Line and you know, CUB actually said Australia mm-hmm. is the most profitable, be one yes. most profitable AB in the world. When it was, yeah. When, so on one hand, when they when they want to sell their business and talk mm-hmm. it up to value, mm-hmm. they talk about how profitable it is. Yep. But then when any other time, oh poor woe is us brewers, which <laughs> uh, and and we might might just have tied that in with that excise argument um, that we touched on mm-hmm. last week because last week we talked about the campaign from the Brewers Association through the hotel mm-hmm. lobby and then the federal government actually I think it was a thought bubble where they're looking at halving excise for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll cost one hundred thirty five million dollars, um, and so. There was a distillers. We'll come to the sexism, whether mm-hmm. it's sexist or not. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was quoted on ABC Radio last weekend um, because I was surprised that the government had actually considered it. But you're looking at their argument is hotel sales are down, but particularly in Queensland and you know largely nationally, the people who own the hotels also own the bottle shops. So overall, beer sales have been fairly standard. So. Tap beer is down, and if you think of who will benefit from a discount of tap beer, if it does, and you can argue, I I can't believe that excise will actually be, even if the brewers commit to passing it on to hoteliers, Mm -hmm. the Australian Hotels Association hasn't committed to pass it on at the tap. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's not going to get passed on to the consumer. The consumer is not going to see a reduction in the price of beer. No, they're not. Because all of, if you take... It's thirty bar. cents on on a, on a schooner of beer was what was quoted, and not just that, but if you if you look at the other costs associated with producing beer, and we don't have our own economist um, in the IBA like the Brewers Association does, but if you look at the cost of all of the inputs to beer, margins are tight. Margins are really tight right now because of inflationary pressures on all of these other costs. Mm-hmm. We've got potentially wages growing up, going up, so on and so forth. Um, although that hasn't really sort of flown through yet. 
the point is that that 30 cents is going to get swallowed up really, really quickly for mm-hmm. brewers, particularly small brewers, and that's where, you know, our focus is at this conversation, in keeping their margins as they are because the margins are so lean And, and so this already. is just on top here. So small brew pubs, they will actually keep that excise. Fantastic for them. But they are 5%. You know, yeah. Brewery taproom sales of beer would be probably, what, 3% of the market? Like small brewery tap... If, if they've got 10% of the market, they're Total. tap yeah, rooms, yeah. yeah. So the, the the biggest beneficiaries of $135 million yeah. government largesse will be the big brewers, although yeah. they'll pass on to the hotels, so it'll be the hotels. Hotel consolidation, which is another thing, you know, the Australian Hotels Association portrays hotels as being small mum and dad, you know, family businesses. Mm. But you've got Australian Venue Co., you've got Coles, you've got Woolies, you've got these huge $100 million entities that are consolidating hotels. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that will benefit. They won't pass on the excise because it's only 30 cents. So it's it, it's a bit of Scott Morrison ukulele playing, um, trying to sort of appeal <laughs> to no, but it is. It, it's, it know, makes a great tabloid mean, but, newspaper but headline, it, but it well, won't benefit. Or if you wanted to use one hundred thirty-five million dollars, actually give it I in mean, a way that actually that, has benefits. Well, this is what I was going to say. I mean, there are so many other ways that if you were looking for government support directly yes. for the industry, there are things. We need manufacturing jobs. We need more brewers. We need um, – there are so many ways that you could spend money to directly – $135 million. And I get that there's a difference between um, – That getting, $135 million was from memory, by the way, so okay. don't quote me on that. So there's a lot of ways you could spend a lot of millions of dollars. Yes. And I get that there's a difference between never collecting it and then and finding it somewhere else so you can hand it out. But there are ways – you know, there there are so many other things that the industry needs. But looking at that, is it sexist? Oh. <laughs> Why on earth I would they have brought that into it? Why would you make this a gendered issue? That's insane. That is so against what so many in the industry, so many marketing people in the industry have tried to do. I mean, for years. I would hope <laughs> that someone oh. in the big breweries, in the Drinks Association in all of the all of the Brewers Association, yeah, absolutely slammed <laughs> these people for making these statements because it but, does wow. everything. I mean, this is, Matt, is so, so harmful. It's so harmful, and it yeah. is such a. Um, I mean, I don't know. The person quoted if Greg. We're going to fight sexism, fight real sexism. And cocktails. Greg Holland. Um, I'm guessing. I don't want to make cast aspersions <laughs> okay, about what mind. this man looked like. <laughs> but I mean, imagine making those statements, and wow. that's like saying only. But that's what lobbying is. You, 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 chicks, you, you, chicks drink cocktails. Chicks drink cocktails. <laughs> but beer, men drink beer. I yeah. mean, imagine being a chief executive and perpetrating a narrative like that. But, I, but you're looking at what the zeitgeist is and you'd frame your argument to try I and... I don't think that's what this was. This is just... I, this is verbal okay. diarrhoea. I, 
I'm going to swear. I lost it. <laughs> Did you? I was so. Where's the swearing in that? I Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to be a stickler. Like, I, I have. Okay. She's thinking about it. You have thoughts. I um, toned that. I was so angry when I read this. I just thought you were harming the entire alcohol industry. Yeah. How could someone from the beer industry sit across you and try and work with you? Imagine if that was a woman head mm-hmm. of something. Head of the IBA trying to work with Spirits and Cocktails Australia to lobby government. Yep. And when um, apparently Kylie doesn't drink beer. Go oh, <laughs> fuck yourselves, man. I was anyway. so mad. <gasps> oh, Moving on. So shut up, Greg. Um, Lion owner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything in line owner, owner Kieran to exit Myanmar Venture? Certainly wasn't a. Um, we, we didn't do that as a screaming point. It was. No, th- we didn't been, go wild. There'd been stories pointing to, you know, particularly. Anyone that wanted to kick a big brewer points to the Myanmar thing. We thought yep. it was worth just covering that too. We're balanced. If they do stuff wrong, we point it out. If they do stuff right, we might point it out. Mm. No, we do. And it was certainly, <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen this. Uh, there's been a discussion about it, so mm. uh, good on them for doing it. Now, this is one of our favourites. Uh, <laughs> so get your bingo cards ready. COVID oh, drinking conti- disputes continue. Now, I'm just going uh, to read this out because I had a couple of really great, um, uh, you know, those... Um, uh, uh, we've done it before, you know, the, the thought process errors, mm-hmm. you know, logical fallacies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a couple come up and uh, the Shirky principle is is, uh, mm-hmm. is what we're calling this. Institutions will try and preserve the problem to which they are the solution. It's the best way to ensure their survival and growth. Examples include planned obsolescence in the various industrial uh, complexes, military, prison, pharmaceutical. You know, this is where... The Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education want to prolong the problem with drinking because it prolongs (laughs) their relevance. Their existence, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and this this is a great example. So we've got FAIR releasing a report saying that pandemic drinking was bad and then you've got the Alcohol uh, Beverages Australia coming out and arguing it. Mm -hmm. Go read both, you know. Um, That's why we put them side by side. So I'd go read yeah. them um, and then you know go look at the data. Um, but of course, there's very little data. Um, what a surprise! Which, and yeah, the, da- the data isn't theirs; they've just recycled. But the this is where cherry picking data. Um, so, just going back to the um, uh, excise story, the Brewers Association, um, you know, talked about Australians drank 20 million fewer schooners, you know, in the last quarter of last year. Yes, they did from tap beer, but they didn't overall. They switched their purchasing. And it's, it's, it's where you, you, you frame your argument um, in a way that is ultimately misleading. Um, so anyway, <laughs> but go, go read the original data. Um, portfolio, uh, good drinks, anything out of the good drinks, um, Gage Roads? No, happily chugging along. They're doing well. They've opened the Gage Road site over in Perth. Watch out for some new venues this year. Um, and they are going to be moving back on the contract brewing thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that, was, that, that was interesting. But again, yes, yes. Uh, so Claire, that is, they are having their beer made under contract as opposed to no, no, they, they are, are contract, contract brewing for, they, other, for other people. people. Yeah. So this would be really interesting for me because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Yeah. Um, how many other, how many of the larger breweries? Um, so we know that several people have talked about it. Oh, we, I think even Ballistic, uh, Lauren talked about yep. the other week. We've got a bit of spare capacity. So yeah, Hot we'll, Nation, they've just launched contract brewing they, this week. They they've did. got a bit of space. Yeah, Everyone, every brewery I seem to know is contract brewing for a brewing brand. Mm-hmm. So this comes back to this, like, what does it take to be a brand? And that's like the Brews News map is, it, 
all of these brands doesn't increase the capacity capacity in the country for the amount of beer to be made. It just increases the number of brands that are SK available. Fills, yeah, fills the space in existing breweries. Yeah, and so it fills the space in existing breweries. But for consumers, mm-hmm. it essentially makes the shelves more competitive. Yes. Right, so you brew it, you're making beer for someone who's going to compete side by side with Does you. Does it for your, But you're well, also I don't getting... Know. This is my... Like, but you're also getting paid for that as well, so it's not like you aren't getting... Get, you're getting A nothing. lot of the brands that are contract brewing, because at the, at the moment we've seen, we've seen a lot of breweries that have invested in growth. Yeah. Um, and so they've potentially, you know, it, it's... Yeah, they've over-invested in kits. So well, that they I, I did want to... That, that's why I was being very careful with my words. I didn't want to say over-invested. They have planned yeah. to increase by more than they need now and then they've got capacity yeah. and they can take in somebody else's production yeah. while they grow, um, and yeah, which brings yeah, their yeah, own yeah, cost yeah. of production down yeah. um, in that sense. And so, it, so and, it, that, and that gives a very, a very small brand... Capacity because, like, you're not going to go to a, yeah, a um, brewery, you're not going to go to a Casella um, or yeah. a you know, a, a Brick Lane um, or a Tribe to contract brew mm-hmm. yeah. if you just want. Yeah. Um, and you see that yeah. all the time. I mean, even in Brisbane, you know, the amount of breweries that are brewing for someone else or yeah. you know, within your region, right? I just think it's a fascinating unable to lift the window on what are the actual volumes what are the what are the arrangements who makes money mm-hmm. how hard is it to manage multiple brands how do you keep the quality going what is the if you're a small brewery and you've never done a major contract in your life how do you do that well when it's mm. gauge roads because mm-hmm. they're going to hold the pen like there's all of that stuff yeah. i just think is fascinating well, yeah. maybe that's something we can uh, look into. We shall. Now, Claire, shall. I've got to take you to task. Um, your reportage of brew this week made it actually sound like there was some good news. Um, out <laughs> uh, of the- I said touts, okay? <laughs> that was my – I was trying to be as impartial as possible and say, this is what they're saying. I have nothing to do with it. I'm not telling you it's true or not. This is what they're saying. Um, <laughs> so it's a lo- touts in inverted commas. Yeah, and I, I was like, I was is Matt going to let me get away with this? <laughs> I was, and it, 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 it is the constant battle. Um, in journalism, you know, when you actually brew is saying one thing, and if you've got any industry knowledge at all, um, you realise that mm-hmm. it's not the story that you know they are putting. They really are rolling the um, yeah. little brown cigar in glitter. Um, That's it. Trying to make it um, because <laughs> whatever they're selling, you know, they're selling fifty thousand cartons of beer. For less than, and that was in like nearly a year as well. Like that wasn't, and I think I I wrote it like this on purpose because as soon as you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, okay, (laughs) so they aren't doing that. Uh, They finished the quarter in a negative cash position using again. What is they've got more sophisticated investors pumping them (laughs) up? You know. Sooner or later. Anyway, the magic carpet has got to, you know. Move on. As someone else pointed out as well, that they've got a loan facility on the Ballarat property, interest payable at 14% uh, per annum, uh, fully uh, drawn down and secured against Ballarat. And I was like, you bet, don't even fucking own that. You're going to have to give that back to Development Victoria. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a huge story if Development Victoria lets them sell it. For a six million dollar oh, profit, I'd be um, disgusted. Yeah. I think the Victorians should get up in arms against that. That would be shocking. Anyway, we'll follow that up. I'll ask about development, Victoria. I believe that option was up this month, um, so it might be beginning of March. We hear about that. Um, more from Abac again. Go read that if you are in the. We, we probably don't need to cover it. Was there anything really notable? Um, that, 
the Ash Barty thing was yeah. To- I mean, I was screaming Reject. at the television because she wasn't um, didn't have a indie beer because um, <laughs> you know they didn't bring her over indie yeah. beer yeah. Um, or Australian. But that would have breached owned brands. I get it. Look, it was yeah. like I understand what happened, but she literally took one sip, and as I was watching it, as someone in the beer industry, I was thinking. It's so great that that's still a thing. Like, let's mm-hmm. celebrate by having a beer. And it wasn't let's celebrate by... I was just pleased it wasn't get- a shoey. I'm sorry. <laughs> so this is my point, right? It was like, let's sit you know, down. No one shoeys wine. And, you know, so when yeah. everyone shoeys a beer, it just actually brings the industry Right. In. So they brought it over. It was in a beautiful bucket. She had one sip. Yeah, they talked yeah. about sitting around and having a beer. It was like, a, and I actually thought that was a nice, yep. like it showed you that an elite sports person who's a decent human can have a couple sits of beer yep. and enjoy themselves. Responsibly. The yeah. fair's yeah. heads were exploding. It, that, sounded, yeah. it sounded like a fireworks <laughs> display as heads around the I country know, And I just, I mean, I remember being sort of surprised it was happening as it was happening yep. and I wonder if there was a discussion afterwards at the television broadcaster but I thought it was good for beer right yep. like I thought mm. it was a good example of beer so to see this come up I'm like calm down people I do yeah. also understand the argument about normalizing drinking and it's it, it you know on, on a beer podcast this is going to get a lot of people going shaking their heads but one of the big problems and one of the reasons that we're seeing such a swing uh, against alcohol at the moment is drinking was so normalized and across the course of my whole career whenever I've spoken on radio you get situations where you're introduced when you're speaking on a radio station where they do I'd love to have a beer with Duncan or you know uh, a Simpsons song you know one of the beer songs oh I see and you know and I always go look you know that's not what I want I don't want to talk about drinking I don't want to talk about hangovers because so you know so often the day after the grand final You've got yeah, yeah. the panelists looking at the very dishevelled winning captain, and you know the first question is, "How's the head, mate? How did your party hard?" And the expectation that to celebrate and drink involves overindulgence normalizes a really negative impact of beer. Um, but that's also where you know she took one little sip; it wasn't doing a shoey, which again has a you know a negative connotation to it. It's not so saying, "Well, you can have a." Beer and enjoy it in a healthy and responsible way, and it's and it's respectful, and it's one well, of those. If you were really going to have a glass of champagne, nobody would bat an eyelid, right? If you're going to do it, because make it nobody shotgun champagne, nobody shotguns, uh, you know, a bottle of wine. Well, you can't well, shotgun they, a bottle of wine, but you know, but yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that that piece around overindulgence was maybe normalised, but it's certainly starting to not be right, which is the, the point that but we're that's going where to is right the industry because the more that you see mainstream media, you know, if stealth marketing, if that's what it was, if stealth marketing does then become negative, you know, look rather than just saying, look, you have a drink responsibly, which is actually a well, significant it, change that, of drinking culture in Australia. The ABAC, um, Claire's report, the ABAC. Uh, oh, that uh, was they, actually Vivian. Oh, Vivian's report. Vivian, yeah. um, that would be our journalist, Vivian Topalovich. The brand owner, the Peroni owners, they didn't know it was going to happen. So the, ho- mm. the part of the reason that it wasn't marketing for ABAC purposes was it wasn't stealth marketing. Mm. It was, yeah. in fact, something that just happened yeah. by no the producers spontaneously. Yeah, so and, so although it's, it's, and this is where, again, heads mm-hmm. will explode at fair because they will sort of, you know, they are convinced that all of this is grooming children and it's all um but and, but again it's just Think something that we've talked children, about on the though. podcast um you know where we get media releases where having seen the media release that's come in that hints at something then journalists who aren't bound by the mm-hmm. marketing communications 
yep. way back, then start talking about healthy beer and things yes, like that. Yes, which Hello Drinks got brought up on because they were making like overt health claims mm. about beer and talking about how healthy beer was. Yes. And yeah. that's... They they were upheld, um, and a back panel upheld that because it was so overt. Well, th- th- that's what <laughs> I was saying last week. You know, when I was speaking on uh, ABC uh, about it, and then followed by the guy who was a researcher for Fair. You know, I was one that was saying you can't make any anything with alcohol in by nature isn't healthy. You know, you just can't well, claim uh, that, and you know, know so leaving the Fair guy nowhere to go. I I know every week I bring up an NZ example, but Steinlager um, have got a really nice sort of marketing spiel going on at the moment in NZ where they've got their Steinlager normal and then their Steinlager zero and they're saying like a choice for every occasion and they're sort of saying, you know, today you might want one with booze in it, tomorrow you might want one without and both of those are okay options and and the way they position it is really – thoughtful to yep. not cross that line it says you've got the choice um we're not positioning as healthy but we are saying if you want to not drink and i i just think it's but that's where i find the you know like fair complaints about uh, they complained previously way back about heineken you know zero heineken where zero. You know, oh, yeah. for, for the drive-through yeah yep. well we don't know stuff. it was them well <laughs> just saying yes, it, was it was all some, alleged some <laughs> just casual person who was offended and who um, knows the ABAC code inside, yeah, inside and out anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, but, and, but that's the thing and, and, and this is where um, that principle the, the shirky principle yeah. they actually don't want to solve the problem they want to create a problem that they are seen as yeah. being instrumental to solving because that keeps them alive yeah. Yeah. perpetuate their existence whereas the brewing industry is actually as Sabrina said last week is actually making meaningful and constructive education about because they don't want people to stop drinking because mm-hmm. they're not anti-alcohol, but they yep. want to make sure that they're seen as a good corporate. And there's just that balance of you know interest. So anyway, That's it. Um, little creatures we actually talked about last week yes, in part we of did. our big uh, and the on-site brewing opportunity. Yes, uh, it was that great. Uh, yeah, so that was nice. Again, like a little bit of a house plug for us. We were so successful in helping Bridge Road find uh, a, a venue that. They've come back. They've got more venues, and so if you are a business, so um, if you're looking at opening a brewery, then uh, yeah. Um, cool. So that is below the fold. Now, who posted? Who shared this one? Boston Beer revenue tops um, two billion in 2021. I just spotted that on Brewbound, I believe, and just highlighting the seltzer thing again. Yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm gonna I'm gonna start speaking to some brewers who've done seltzers and see how they're doing because we do tend to follow the US in trends, so maybe we're having an all right year in Seltzer. I don't know. I haven't seen that many well, out see, and about, I, I, I think Seltzer is one of those ones that there is a little bit of a halo effect because there's so much mm. attention overseas and people yeah. want what comes overseas. Mm-hmm. But our alcohol market is fundamentally different from the US's in another way because we do have a lot of pre-mixed. We do have a yep. lot of yep. you know al- alternative beverages that Seltzer was nominally replacing. It doesn't have that healthy thing. It's the West Coast cooler of the now. It's the vodka cruiser. It's, it's having a moment. It's it's not like an insignificant thing. I think um, the moment's passed. The bigger mm-hmm. one for me was, and I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, the Brewbound podcast, um, which is probably the closest, as we've said in the past, the closest site to Brews News in the US. And they've got a podcast and they looked at the monster um, acquisition of um, a monster soft drinks yep. um, acquisition of the Kanaki group. Yep. And their discussion about that was fascinating. I might even see if I can get Justin on the podcast for a little insert next week mm. to talk about it because they would, one of the things that fascinates me about the closing loop of the beverage industry and we've looked at it um you know craft 15 years ago was craft didn't use adjuncts it didn't use enzymes it didn't it was traditional brewing um Mm -hmm. 
that that is all closed. So brewers are now talking about how innovative they're being by using all of these modern brewing techniques that were once an anathema to the thing that kicked off, to the mindset that kicked off craft beer. Um, but another element was beer, small brewers were taking back the drinks industry and we're going to make it about the liquid. We're going to make it about the product. Mm. We are providing better beer and we're just about beer, not those, you know, the, the problem with Lion and CUB or whatever they were 15 years ago was, you know, they're multi-beverage companies. They're, they're not invested yeah. in the category because yeah. they don't give a shit whether you're drinking wine or vodka yeah. or things like that. And suddenly the real, you know, and this um, Brewbound podcast was saying that, you know, oh, we're starting to realise that consumers don't care whether it's beer. We need to satisfy all of their occasion drinking and beer can't fit every occasion. So we need to be seltzer. We need to be wine. And But also I think it comes back to the point that you were making earlier. I think, Claire, you made it about distribution, mm-hmm. right? So that there is more consolidation around distribution. And if yep. you have lots of products, your distribution is more efficient and therefore you've got cost savings. And so... Um, you know, across a portfolio, if beer has got low margins but spirits has got high margins but you're shipping them at the same time, you are making more money. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe it's a little bit like something else where your spirits are offsetting the cost of you making decent beer. Yeah, that's it. Um, Again, no value. Like I often get accused when I make these points that I've got a view, but it's just highlighting the, yeah. the, the the narrative of the craft beer industry when it started was we're about beer, we're going to build the beer category and now suddenly those some of those same businesses or businesses have entered it, the, the narrative is changing due to market forces. And I've got another little uh, um, anomaly, uh, well, it's something that I want to bring up, not the shirky principle. Um, mm. This one is the narrative market fit. News and commentary are products, so they follow market pressures. The more a story fits a fashion or meets a strong consumer demand, the more likely it has been crafted purely for an audience engagement and the less you should trust it. Like on the alcohol-free beer. So so that's the alcohol-free beer is an example of that, yeah, the no-low, where the stories about no and low alcohol become content that's a product in itself yeah. that actually distorts the story because they want to pander to a mindset or they want to sell that as a story. And the other um, – so I've been doing a bit of reading this week. So, I know, um, we've still got like eight the Twyman's, things The Twyman's Law, the more no- notable the data, the more likely it's wrong. That's because errors in data manipulation are far more common than genuine notable results. Conversely, the more boring the data, the more trustworthy. Same sort of thing. If you see a thing sort of saying alcohol-free beer is up 3,000%, as we've seen, mm-hmm. that is feeding into a narrative. So these principles are all part of – the problem with news today. Did you ever, I think this comes from How I Met Your Mother. Did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, Sadly, occasionally. Remember Barney used to like always give out statistics and I'm pretty yeah. sure the statistic was like 83%. So like you, you <laughs> always, always 83%. use 83% <laughs> because it just sounds like it's a number that nobody yeah. will sort of question. So um, that always sticks in my mind. Anyway, <laughs> so you, you, you said we've got other things. So, well, uh, um, so these are my things, I think. So I um, put out a bit of a question to the Radio Brews News Group around – Um, a little project that I'm working on around trying to understand how people in the industry, how consumers, how everybody thinks about what is low alcohol. And so this is to your point um, earlier, Matt, you know, we talk about no low, but what actually is 
low. So mm-hmm. we're pretty clear on what is no, but what constitutes low alcohol. Yep. Um, and got heaps of really great responses back. And the one that seems to sort of be um, the most uh, sort of acceptable, I guess, is that zero alk is 0%. Low alk is 05 to 2%. And then you've kind of got light beer 2 to 2.9, mid 3 to 3.9, session 4 to 4.7 and full strength 4.7 and above. Um, Does it stress you out that it's 0.7 and 0.9? Because it stresses me out. Why um, have they done that? (laughs) Where does that come from? I I don't know, but what I do know is when you look at a lot of – what I've been looking at a lot of outranges of data, they do fall into that sort of random 0.7 and and that's because it's – between 0.5 and 5 and I don't know if that changes there's an excise threshold there I don't know um other people have pointed out it relates to you know standard drinks per pint as opposed to right yes they think about it rather than ABV how many standard drinks per pint um and so on and so forth but it what it really showed was that there is no commonly held view Mm -hmm. around what is low alcohol is it again a marketing thing like we decided this is low alcohol, so we're telling you it's low alcohol, so accept that it's low alcohol. Yeah, but it does. I mean, it's back to this sort of response. You know, it's part of that responsible drinking piece. Well, you there's at there's 1.15, which is an excise rule, level, which doesn't seem to matter to anyone. Because it's not a marketing. Yeah, so mm. it's not a marketing thing. But then we often see Australia is one of the biggest mid-strength, which a mid-strength isn't a globally recognised definition either. Well, so this is the point. So in Australia, yes. people go 3.5% is mid-strength. Yep, and 20% of our market. So we have one of the biggest mid-strength markets in the world, which is why Corona, Heineken, Peroni all you know, had their mid-strength beers that mm-hmm. they piloted in Australia because we, you get to trial the brand and the beer not have to blaze the path of getting people to drink a 3.5% beer the way you would in most jurisdictions. Mm. It's so fascinating. If you look at the way that the US Brewers Association uses their style guidelines, a session Mm. beer is under 5%. So in our climate, in in the Australian market, a 3.5% mid-strength is sort of a sessionable beer. And in the US definition that is used Mm -hmm. around the world – their session beer is five percent, but that's where drink driving rules, excise, and all mm-hmm, of those sorts mm-hmm. of things come in. Um, I, t- I totally yeah. agree, but it just goes to. I think the point that I was looking at was, you know, people all perceive that number, that percentage number, differently. Mm-hmm. And isn't so it interesting that if you said that a three point two was a low alcohol, people would be like, mm, probably not. So you know, and people know in their minds when they see it. I don't what know. It is. So, like I, you know, my point was that when I'm thinking low mm. I think 3.5 percent and under um and several people with the same low is less than five mm-hmm. um five percent is mid oh. and and if you look at this sort of okay. the haze craze and you look at what has happened in terms of our market we went to seven eight percent beers yep. a really standard 6.4 really standard mm-hmm. um so yeah, I just think it's really fascinating to watch. Anyway, and it was really great contribution from everybody in the group um, and just, you know, just interesting. Yeah, thanks for everyone that contributed. Uh, the best Facebook group, you know, again, the, you know, the best I, I, group that happens to be on Facebook. Yeah, about in terms <laughs> of the engagement and, uh, you know, and when quality of the feedback. The quality of the feedback mm. and the insight and things like that. And there's a lot of industry lurkers who, who keep an eye on it, but then for stuff like that, they jump in. So. Yeah, I mean, Kieran made the point that um, 
notwithstanding the excise levels, um, Kieran Allen made the point that notwithstanding excise levels, each state has got different rules around percentage and so not a lot of consensus but 1.15 to 3.5 is best because of all of the state rules. So that was really interesting. Cool. Then modern times closure. Oh, yes. So Also got posted in the Facebook group. Uh, yeah, so also in the Facebook group and, um, you know, I think that went down on Monday in the US announced um, a closure of a bunch of their venues. It's resulting in, you know, um, heaps of staff being let go. It's as a result of um, new management coming on board, which were in part came about as a result of sort of the allegations that arose around misconduct in the organisation. But what was really interesting was they really talked about the COVID implications, the COVID environment, the complexity of ongoing lockdowns, strict COVID regimes in California on modern times. And I I just thought it was a really interesting example. Um, So... New Zealand is just starting to face all of this, of course, because they've been yep. closed for so long. Same with Western Australia, same with the Northern Territory, same with Tasmania. All the brewers I've spoken to there recently are like, oh God, we've had two years where it's been steady away and now we're opening or COVID's finally coming in and this is like a weird, horrible, delayed reaction. It's a delayed reaction. So, yeah. you know, New South Wales and Victoria have kind of been through, been through it yep. earlier than we did. Queensland have just come through it and we yep. know yep. breweries have closed um, around Brisbane. We know hospitality businesses have done it really mm-hmm. hard, not just because of formal lockdowns but because people are yep. not prepared to go out or afraid to go out, that's happening in New Zealand. They're trying to get their rat tests. They can't get them. Absolutely. And now we don't have the support that we had during COVID. So we don't have JobKeeper. We don't have like moratoriums on rent. We don't have anything like that anymore. And so I think, you know, we've talked about kind of long COVID, quote unquote, in terms of the health implications. But I Mm -hmm. think it's going to be really fascinating to see, you know, those venues that have just gotten through, that have held on either in Australian locations, in New Zealand or elsewhere, that have held on through COVID mm-hmm. that, you know, just just can't quite come out the other yep. side or where they've got... I am know, worried. I'm worried that we're going to see more in the next year or so than we ever saw during COVID. And definitely, I mean, Lauren talked about, you know, they're just starting to see customers coming back on a whim into some of the ballistic facilities in yep. Queensland, but that it's changed the hospitality workforce long term. Yes. So, you know, I just think there is going to be this long string of... Um, of implications, you know, modern modern times is an example where sort of new people came in and looked at it and just went, we're not financially viable. Yeah. But what does that look like in Australia? We know that there's so many breweries wanting to get in, but what does it actually mean for those that have sort of, you know, overcapitalised? So I just, I just have it on the radar as this sort of, I don't think, you know, the impacts of COVID. I mean, Brewcon too uncertain, we're still going to close. Um, it's all still here, you know. Mm-hmm. To echo... Claire's um, you know, concerns, I, I think the, the, the first two years of COVID when it was government locking down and government, and mm-hmm. then there were JobKeeper and That's things right. like that, there was that underlining support. And it's, you know, it's one of those care for what you wish for because you had a lot of the tourism and travel and hospitality um, people sort of saying, just let it rip, let it go out there. But of course, once we've seen it, the government's sort of saying, well, we'll open the, the, the market. Staff are getting sick. Consumers are protecting their own health and not going out, so it's the voluntary um, well, this lockdown. Is, I mean, this is precisely what's happening in New Zealand but right now. But there's no government support. So mm-hmm. you've got the worst of the lockdown, you know, of yep. unofficial lockdowns, 
but then no government support. And I think that's putting a lot of stress on businesses. Hospitality New Zealand have just come out and said, look, government, we need support for hospitality specifically because people are, yes, we've got these um, restrictions which are not the same as a full lockdown, but the net result of those restrictions and Omicron finally getting into the – or COVID at all finally Mm -hmm. sort of making its way through the country is that people aren't going out, but there isn't that support available and they're kind of on the tail end of it from the world. Yeah. So, like, the rest of the world is starting to move on and yeah, you've yeah. got these the little pockets. The peak's been hit and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. WA, like you just said, Claire, WA yeah. is the same. And so it is, um, you know, it is the worst of both worlds. Government support is gone. Yeah. People are too and afraid to so people. Yeah. Consumer spending by it. is not happening in hospitality yeah. in particular. That's it. Yeah. Um, and also in the Northern Territory, I spoke to the lovely Kyle Pearson at Alice Springs last week. And because there's been a delayed reaction. The government has been focusing on their immediate COVID response, health Mm. concerns. Obviously, there's lots of vulnerable people and vulnerable communities there. So that has been their focus, which means that things like crime in Alice Springs is like way down the list of things they care about. Yeah. About hospitality openings. The things that are very specific to an area they're completely far down the list nobody cares about them when they're trying to deal with that much bigger issue uh and i think we're going to see the impact of that in the next in the coming year i guess Mm. which is sad sad but there we go there Um, we go mailbag and uh we need to thank the new zealand once we can travel um and get over july July, July. Looks, it's looking. So start your planning now. Start your search engines and send them to <laughs> www.nzaletrail.com or at nzaletrail on social media. And you can start researching the best experiences in New Zealand. Let me see. In response to the uh, proposed beer discount slammed as sexist by uh, spirit cocktails industry um, that was posted by Daniel Ridd. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, Dan Rayner, assuming this is true and assuming a drop in the price of beer would really only benefit men in a pub, what if the publican does with this suggested policy exactly what she is and is expected to? What if the publican left the prices exactly as they are and just pockets extra profit, which is, I suspect, what will actually happen. So, Dan, yes. And particularly given apparently the AHA hasn't come out and given an undertaking that its members would actually join. There we go. And we're out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at bruisenews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. 